speed, agility, power. I'm a big fan of these things. All of the performance I demand for myself on the ice is here. Handles all of my needs in dynamic fashion. Folks, welcome to another episode of Roxy Fever. I'm your host, Jackson McDonald. With me, as always, Vyasaran and Elliot Hoyt. And joining us once again is our pal, Wyatt Arndt. Wyatt, how's it going? Coming in a bit hot, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to go in a little little 10-second rancher, um, not to get too political, but if you're anyone in the world <laughs> that is basing your viewpoint off of Facebook news posts, like, I just can't handle you anymore. <laughs> like, people Tell put us. this like this, 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 the names. dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, they have like one viewpoint, like, oh, it's like a turquoise background, red font. It's like GeoCities. And like, yeah, this guy, look, guys, you're sheep, you're sheep. Just don't use Facebook for news. Just don't. Please, I don't care what affiliation you have with anything. Don't use Facebook for any source of information ever. How about please. just don't use Facebook at all? Yes. Yeah, let's take <laughs> yeah. a step back. Let's make it even easier. Don't use Facebook. <laughs> yeah, so just, just, just get off that thing. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, social media rots your brain, and that's why I never spend any time on it. Um, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know, I know how you feel, though. I'm, I'm feeling very, uh, I'm feeling very drained at this point. Obviously, the circumstances surrounding the Vancouver Canucks right now are incredibly dire. But if there is one, like the slightest silver lining to take out of it, it is that I was feeling very burnt out and needing a break. And now, you know, we're all getting one, but uh, it's uh, not exactly under the, uh, the most um, favorable circumstances. So obviously uh, the place we have to start this week is that there is a massive COVID outbreak on the Vancouver Canucks. I think the last, yeah, the last I heard we were talking about at least 20 players and staff you know, I'm not going to run through the names, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of notable ones in there. So I guess I'll just start by asking you, Wyatt, as the person out of us who is like the closest to the team, who actually like has a relationship with some of those guys. Um, how did you feel when you when you first got the news that uh, things were going to get shut down and that so many of these guys had not only had contracted COVID, but apparently are getting uh, some pretty ugly side effects from it as well. Yeah, I think that the COVID situation was always a delicate balance with this season. Like, all it's going to take is one player. Not that, it, like, if any player's career is over, it's obviously terrible. But you know how if the young player would have, like, the, their future ahead of them, that's mm-hmm. going to impact and feel bigger, right? So all it could take is someone like Quinn Hughes. All of a sudden, he's let's say his career is even altered by a year or two or whatever, and all of a sudden, people are going to start questioning, was it worth it? Like, was the season worth it? And you're already seeing, like, Dan Murphy suggesting, like, those games against Calgary and Ottawa, they don't mean anything. Don't play them. Uh, yeah. You know, if don't force these games through, if you if, if like that's the thing, we're relying on Gary Bettman, of all people, <laughs> to do the right humane thing. So I don't have my fingers <laughs> crossed. But like at this point, like the chances are so slim. I understand those, you know, those dreamers out there want to go for that playoff race. But <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, players health comes in into the biggest factor here. And if they do come back. Uh, you know, are they over the effects of COVID? And, you know, is it, you know, are they even right to play? And with the Brazilian variant involved in all of this, it just seems really scary to me. So I just hope that in the end, uh, they take a cautious approach more than anything. Yeah, cosine. I, I obviously like 
the hockey aspect of it is pretty, you know, pretty secondary when you're Mm. talking about people's health or whatever, but it also just the fact that the Canucks have been so bad this year and that like their playoff chances have been pretty much non-existent since mid February. That just makes it feel even worse in a way, because it's just like, like if they make these guys get back on the ice and finish out all these games, it's just going to feel so pointless. Like we're going to, everybody's already contracted it. Uh, some guys have had, you know, obviously we don't know the long-term effects yet, but like, we're hearing that guys have needed to be administered IVs and stuff like that. And just the thought that we're going to make those guys get back out onto the ice and finish up, you know, the last 10 games of the season in a season that's completely lost anyways, where all they're playing for really is to determine like, are they going to pick seventh or 10th? Um, I mean, good on Dan for, for saying it because honestly, yeah, I, I don't think at this point it really makes sense for them to finish the season, but I guess we'll see how it goes. Yeah. This whole topic it's, it's gone towards a place where like, I don't even know. I feel like usually whenever there's something horrible that happens around even Canucks social media, there's at least jokes to make about it, mm. but like, this is just sad and scary. Yeah. I am so worried about these guys health going down the road, like even regular COVID, uh, the idea of getting it made me terrified about the ability of like, what are my lungs going to look like when I'm 70? Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to get it. And now to think about P1 and think about these guys, their families, thinking about Bo Hor- like Bo Horvat's kid, Travis Hamnick's kid, who I know yeah. has uh, lung yeah. issues, respiratory issues. Like, good God, I'm, I'm, I'm scared for these guys. And uh, I really, really hope that they're that the owners and management are pushing as much as they can to just end it. Yeah. Just withdraw from the rest of the season or whatever. Yeah. Cause like, yeah. What's this worth at this point? Can yeah. You imagine like the mentality of the players too. imagine like you're the Canucks. You've had this horrible, terrifying experience. You're worried about your family. You go out in three weeks and you're like, okay, I got to be professional. But then you're going out just to face, you're tired. You're not in game shape and you face a Montreal team that just pumps you for eight goals so they can get a playoff spot. Like, <laughs> yeah. yay? Like, how's, this is not good. Yeah. 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 Ul- ultimately, it's just like it. I think I said this on um, on Twitter the other day or whatever, but like uh, hockey's not really an escape for me to begin with, but it really hasn't been lately because it's, if anything, it's just a reminder of like, Oh yeah. It's just more guys going into work who like probably just shouldn't be, you know? And, uh, and obviously like the chance for spread is, is really high as well. And, and I think that's (laughs) one thing that like, one thing that always irritates me in, in these conversations is, is when the, the sort of first, impulse people have is to jump towards like what personal behavior caused it you know like i know yep. i i like right away started hearing about guys you know oh they share the same eating place or whatever like uh they share the same cafeteria or mess hall or whatever and they all eat in there with no masks and it's like yeah they also practice together and you know presumably like are in the locker room together and do all this other stuff together unmasked but then it's just like, you know, people just immediately trying to find the the guy who broke the rules. And it's like, you know, ultimately, if if you have to be perfect at your job to uh, to prevent the spread, then like you probably shouldn't be there because it's really hard to be perfect all the time. 
Um, mm. So that's my thought on that. Mm. But uh, I think we chances are we are probably going to uh, devote another you know, another large chunk of a future episode to this, because um, I think like particularly the sort of political implications are uh, very interesting and worth talking about, but better left for another time. So the other thing we got to get out of the way before we can move on to the bracket is the Demco contract Uh, signs for, was it five years at five? Am I Am I correct, or is it five point five? Or now I've this is. I, I think you're right on the average. I don't know what the breakdown is, or sure, the signing right. bonuses, or the. Clauses. But it's a five-year contract worth twenty-five million. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll just go around and get a reaction from each of you. Start with you, Wyatt. What did you? How do you feel about this deal? It's not like the the Bo Horvath deal. Where initially, you're like maybe they paid a little bit too much, but not like enough to get mad about. Um, I think when you, the thing with the Canucks, so when you look at this team and all the bad contracts that even you pay a little bit much, you maybe look at it just to see could they have saved a bit of money. This is kind of what goes with the territory. But yeah, I mean it's a it's a solid deal. It's you're rolling the dice in Demko, not a huge sample size, but you've got a goal you believe in. At least he's at a younger age than Markstrom, so it's a guy that you know you can grow with. And I think at this point, your next bet is yeah, next step is. Ian Clark, if Ian Clark's the guy that's kind of keeping everything together, then surely there's a bit of money left for Ian Clark on the table somewhere because he seems to be keeping these goals together. You look at Marksman's numbers plunging in Calgary, not looking great there. So again, I'm not saying Ian Clark is a magician. He's a a wizard and maybe he's not the answer, but even if he might be, it seems like you might want to spend some money on that. So I think if you get Demko on board, get Clark on board, like I don't think anyone's going to complain too hard about that. For me, it's a five mil for a start. What, what is assumed to be a starting goalie doesn't seem like that much. So I'm not going to call it a steal, but it seemed like a good a good deal for uh, for the schoolie. Um, I would echo the Ian Clark stuff. Um, I would assume that the that that was part of a negotiation, and I also appreciate that they did this so quickly. Like I forgot that they had to sign Demko uh, coming up before July 1st or whatever date it is this year. And that gave me better feelings about the Toffoli thing and how that hopefully won't get recreated uh, <laughs> where they totally just like me with a paper, just forgot to do it on time and uh, <laughs> just let it get past them. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm surprised, but like, I'm, I'm looking for the things wrong with this because I've had so many reasons to find something wrong with every other deal this team makes, but I guess I'm just shrugging my shoulders at this. And like, if Ian Clark doesn't sign with us, then this looks scary, but at least we didn't do something. We didn't make, make a mistake. Like with the other DiPietro mistake, <laughs> other, other DiPietro mistake being that we haven't played Mike DiPietro, but yes. uh, with, uh, with the Islanders goalie being paid for like 10 years, at yeah. a massive amount, like glad we didn't do that this time. Yeah. Like at first I thought the deal was really good and then enough naysayers said nay (laughs) and i was starting to be worried about it but at the end of the day like it's a five million dollar deal compared to all the other things the canucks have survived in terms of terrible contracts they can get through a five million dollar deal for a goalie even if he turns out to be a pumpkin whereas you know having three defensemen making six million dollars and they are all pumpkins already is (laughs) much worse and how are you worried about this? Yeah, I mean, my my initial reaction was to just kind of I mean, I do. I feel like I do this a lot with Canuck stuff where it's just like you get so used to them doing things that are obviously bad 
that I feel like sometimes people get a little too animated when they do something that really just isn't obviously bad. Like at the end of the day, my take on the Demco contract is it's a five-year contract worth $25 million. Like I don't really, it exists. It's, I, I think that anybody who's making a case really passionately to on one side or the other is sort of like missing the forest for the trees. Uh, ultimately, I think the most positive thing you can say about it is that if Demco isn't the Canucks guy over the next five years, then they're like probably screwed anyways. So they may as well just commit to him and hope that he's going to be the kind of goalie that is worth uh, that price tag. And the only other thing I'll say is just that the timing of it seemed a bit odd, uh, particularly like just the fact that they don't really have anyone else locked into next year. They don't have a coach. They don't have their two best players locked in. They don't have the goal. Like, as you guys mentioned, the goalie coach, Ian Clark, isn't locked in either. And then you have, uh, you know, the owner basically <laughs> tweeting out like, wow, we sure are getting great goaltending. And then all of a sudden, the Canucks spend $25 million on a goalie who, when in a year when they basically like have not spent money since opening day. Um, that's a bit weird to me because mm. it just sets off like my spidey senses start to tingle and I start to think about, you know, meddling ownership or whatever and who's uh, calling the shots. And so when I see a deal like this, it makes me worried about the same things I've always been worried about, which is just like, things like lack of vision and whether there's a, any kind of strong plan to open up a window for contention. But like, that's all stuff I was worried about before anyway. And this deal isn't certainly isn't egregious and may even turn out to look like a, a real steal. If Demko continues to uh, sort of develop at the rate he's been developing at and can be a consistent above average goalie for the next five years, then it's going to look great. But right now it, looks like a gamble kind of a typical Canucks gamble one of those 50 50 bets that might pay off and might not but you know probably isn't going to uh kill them over the long run even if it doesn't pay off real quick I had a question about comparables for, mm-hmm. for him I know some people talked about it on Twitter but for a goalie who hasn't had too many starts to get signed with this number um I was curious about that and I also don't really know how I try to learn about war ratings, hero ratings, and all the standard advanced stats. And I'm the I'm the casual fan of the show who still doesn't understand that. But with goalies, I know that's probably a lot harder. So it's way harder. Yeah. Yeah. What what's the deal there? Like what what were people's uh, advanced stats type people? What was their reactions when this happened? I mean, the biggest one, ten, the biggest criticism tends to be that you paid a lot of money for a guy who is still relatively unproven. But I, one of my favorite like goalie stats people is uh, Nick Mercadante. He invented that uh, goal saved above average stat that um, I think is definitely, if nothing else, like at least a useful tool for evaluating goalies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember him saying once that, Basically, by the time you figured out a goalie is for sure good, he's not good anymore. Like that's generally sort of how the sampling works with goalies because they 
It just is such a random event that a goalie controls that by the time you have enough of a sample size to know which way it goes, aging has kicked in and he's not what he used to be. Yeah, exactly. You, you. It makes sense, but it is a very counterintuitive thing. Yes, absolutely. But so I think like with regards to Demko, basically, I think he's being paid right now like a top 12 goalie going into next year. And he has performed like a top 12 goalie over a span of about a month and a half of his career. So a lot of that is a lot of that performance has come in the recent portion of his career. So you can make a strong case that like he's figured it out and that's just what he's going to be for the next little while. But, um, you know, ultimately, like, I think it's uh, as it goes with goalies, like it's just very difficult to know for sure. And so I don't hate the bet because I feel like, honestly, uh, NHL organizations have access to a lot better information than I do. And the Canucks have had pretty decent luck with goalies. So I kind of trust them to be able to look at Demko and say, you know, we think we've got a real solid goaltender here, a guy who can be in the conversation as a top 10 goalie every year. And, you know, if that's the case, then obviously they made the right call. But I just think it's still probably too early to know for sure. Um, And ultimately, it's going to be hard, kind of hard to judge this deal until we sort of know what happens with the Canucks remaining pieces and whether or not the timeline makes sense based on when they're going to compete. But yeah, I think that's uh, enough time on the two big news items of the week. And I think we can probably jump into part two of the floorboards of glory bracket if you guys are uh are ready yeah so we're gonna start off in the linden division uh with jeff cowan's uh fifth goal of the of the uh 2006-2007 season uh also oh, known yeah. as the Brabarian incident that and so that's uh number one in in uh in the linden division so why could you open up what happened on that day that was you know kind of uh, a fun time when the Cucks were still kind of finding their feet. Uh, you know, they were still the lovable losers to Chicago uh, and trying to put together a good team. And uh, there were, you know, a lot of feel good stories from that era. And it was one of them where Jeff Cowan, you know, this kind of just this thug for hire comes in the team and all of a sudden, you know, starts scoring goals, you know, gets, I think it was five goals. And then uh, at one point gets that fifth goal, the crowd starts chanting his name, which, you know, doesn't happen too often. And then uh, as they said in the, on the broadcast, it's like a rock concert in here because a bra was thrown on the ice and, Willie Mitchell with that long stick of his was the guy to pick up the bra and hold it out to the ref. Uh, yeah. And so they all had to go oh, laugh wow. and the legend of their bra bearing was born. And it's, it's one of my favorite moments because it is one of those uh, organic moments and it's kind of happened. And uh, it was a feel good moment. Cause again, there's a lot of tragedy on these lists of sadness where things don't go the Canucks way, but this is one of the more fun ones. And anytime it elevates a journeyman kind of player, I always get a kick out of it. Yeah. He's on my uh, Mount Rushmore of Tommy Santola type players Hell yeah. Um, yeah. For, for that. Um, Natural third city and twin of the team. I'm just yeah. watching the highlights. It's it's, uh, it's great to see all these old players. I forgot this was in 2007. It feels later than it should have been to me. Yeah, it, it, I I forget that it wasn't in 0506 or if it wasn't in 2004. Mm-hmm. We also did an episode about this, I believe. Yes, we, we did already an did an episode, episode about this on the yeah, Patreon, yeah, yeah. so we don't have to spend uh, too much more time on it. But one one other thing I uh, just wanted to mention because I thought it was funny, uh, and this came up on the Patreon as well, is that uh, Scott Oak also got a bra thrown at him like a couple games later. In, <laughs> oh, uh, I do remember that in like reference <laughs> to this, and uh, that was that was really the person who 
through the bra at Scott out was really like taking one for a team for the team. Cause that's like, you are not going to be etched in history the way that uh, Jeff Cow the, the Jeff Cowan lady was. But wait, was that while he, while Scott Oak was like right by the ice or was that when he was doing one of the uh, bowels of uh, at then GM place? Yeah. Interviews I think he was doing, Yeah, was he between the benches or like, did someone mention to throw a bra up into the broadcast booth? I think he was in the broadcast booth, no honestly, way. but I'd have to, that's, I'd cool. have that's to impressive. Watch it again. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely like a male fan or, uh, somebody yeah, you wouldn't probably. expect to be wearing, like somebody who probably wasn't wearing the bra. They just brought it for, for me, and it's, it's not true at all. But for me, it's canon that the lady who threw the bra was in the flasher later because she didn't have a bra on. So it's the same. <laughs> I was yes, thank you. <laughs> yes, I was going to mention uh, that that these incidents are like close cousins, but uh, that would make perfect sense. That would be some real like conceptual symmetry there. So yeah, like bras bras show up on this list more than Matt Cook does. <laughs> uh, all right. So up against there is the uh, hashtag, like did not expect this, but there's a reason it's a uh, one versus 16, but hashtag. Thank you, Jim. Uh, of course <laughs> that was, that was one that, that I feel like we talked about fairly recently. I mean, it was a, it was like a viral moment from this year. Like it's kind of a bummer now that, Sibolsky isn't with the station yeah. anymore so <laughs> I won't uh, I won't dig in too hard uh because like that this kind of there's kind of a sad ending to mm -hmm. that story but mm -hmm. um, I did I did love that he posted on Twitter the day uh that he got let go uh of him just skiing with his family having a good time I don't know if anybody nice. caught that but it was sweet like he was like, oh, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm just skiing with my family. No, <laughs> him shredding down. I do yeah. uh, hope all those guys land on their feet too, even if Absolutely. I don't really like them. Uh, as, <laughs> well, you know, as like media guys, you don't like, like them, you know. Guys. Anyways, next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah. So moving on. Say it. Um, <laughs> well, in that case, and I'm going to argue that thank you, Jim, should be count the brother. <laughs> after that, uh, the next bracket is uh, PD has landed at number eight. Now. I don't remember if this is specific to Pedersen's first game or him being drafted. What's it's, in the video? Yeah, it's his first goal, basically, because uh, we had oh, Murray's yeah. first game in there and you know, all the excitement around that. So we kind of wanted Pedersen's because there was a lot of hype around this kid. And there's also a lot of um, people who push back against that pick. Oh, he, like, the whole narrative. He weighs <laughs> yeah. 140 Too pounds small. with wet. And what's this kid going to do? Yeah, he scores that in the SHL, but what's, that's not the man's league, all that garbage. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, at, Smart people than me told me that Patterson was going to be a stud. And then you start watching the highlights, you can see the skill he had. So you're like, oh, he'll figure it out. You know, like Patrick Kane, terrible play, uh, person, but as a player, you can tell like small players, they can figure it out. You know, mm -hmm. they can cut on the ice and they'll find a way. So someone like, you know, Patterson, he goes out there and in his first game delivers and kind of sets the tone for what he's going to bring to the team. And mm -hmm. again, like Besser and like Hor Horvat, you know, he's that linen type player. He's not going to maybe like, you know, get the crowd off their feet, but he's a dependable guy. Besser kind of got a bit of that. Uh, but Pedersen, I think, was another level where everyone's like, oh, man, like, you know, he's a center. He's a potential replacement for Henrik Sedin, and he's bringing all this, like, skill. And I think it just kind of brought this extra level of, of intrigue to the team. So it had to be on the list. Yeah, it seemed yeah. like he didn't even belong, not belong, but we did not deserve him. Like, I didn't expect us to have that good of a rookie ever. Yeah. What more can you even say? I, I the, the minute he scored that goal in the first game against the flames i was just like oh things are different now mm -hmm. which i mean i probably shouldn't have thought because honestly they're they're not really but like for a moment <laughs> they felt like they were going to be different because we had never like you said we had just never really had a guy like that and when 
when he was drafted to like, this is really the move I think that like saved Jim Benning's career. Honestly, Uh, when we, when we talk about like, you know, why he is still here and obviously you can, you know, you can get into the weeds about like, Oh, whose pick was it? The, the GM only has such and such amount of, uh, say over the draft table or whatever. But I think ultimately, like when you take a guy who is not the consensus guy that high in the draft, it's a re it comes at a real risk and they did get shredded by some people, not the uh, blogosphere who were all pretty, uh, I think pretty vocally pro Pedersen. I know I was jumping up and down when they made that pick. Cause I just thought it was the exact kind of dynamic, like, um, swing for the fences kind of player that they they needed to to take a shot at but uh he really like saved his own ass I think by making that pick because a few years later you, you really like that's that's really where the 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 drafting GM narrative comes from to me is just having the foresight to take a guy like that who's not the consensus best player and then you know a few years later it, it, like in any redraft, he would go first. Yeah. And the thing too is like, just from a Canucks fan perspective is that, you know, that's his first game. That's the first game since the Sedins retire. And all of a sudden there's like, Oh, there's yeah. actually hope for the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We thought this I was going to be bad after this, but there might actually be something after this. Like we, we will, we'll talk about the Canucks dropping in the draft and how that's the typical Canuck lock. But like, it, it's nice that it kind of went the Canucks way for once. Cause it feels like in another world that, Maybe Canucks jump up and they grab Nolan Patrick, you know, and they're like, all of a sudden they've got this kid, like, oh, there's all the, all the things in the world, but then he's injury prone and it doesn't come through. Or even a Cody Glass, who could still be a great player, like just a guy that's not necessarily a game breaker at the level Pedersen is. So the fact they got this kid that looks like he can, and he has one game single-handedly by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And just this, I don't know, again, I, it's, it's such an, uh, the intangibles, which is garbage. Now you can't analyze it, but when you watch him play, like, Everyone wants to win, but Pedersen has his level where he like it looks like he will die if he does not win that game. Like he goes to the level <laughs> where like he's gonna raise his game and do everything his power to beat you. And I just kind of like that edge he brings to his game. Mm-hmm. I love I love it when he gets pissed off on the ice. I'm I'm so pumped to see him uh, grow and be a playoff performer. Like, who knows what happens? But I think he's gonna be excellent as a clutch player. Well, I love him because he's also like, he'll always lie about how like, he's like, oh, I'm just like, you know, he doesn't say he's like, I'm like, no, I'm very calm. It doesn't matter. It's all a game. Like, when you see him play Warzone, same thing. Just a game. Why well, get mad? The next minute, that piece of shit died. You're like, okay, no, this <laughs> guy's a gamer. He's competitive at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. I'm very curious what his experience was actually coming into Vancouver in the first place, knowing that he was going to be compared to the Sedins after uh, just a legendary send-off for him and all the comparisons that were going to come, like, I'm really curious about any conversations he had with the Sedins or uh, did he, did he watch that game or anything like that? You know, like those are the kind of things I'd, I'd really be curious to learn more about Pedersen. I feel like Henrik left him a note and all it said was learn to shoot. Just so you don't get picked on. That's all he did work as one time. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. So this one goes up against number nine, uh, Lee Sweat's big night. Hell yes. That rocks. So Early on when I started writing, for whatever reason, I can't even remember why, but when, it was when I was writing for Jeremy Davis's blog, I did an article on like basically like the 10 best nobodies to score really, really nice goals with the Sidians. And this one always sticks in my head. Uh, second only to like the Brad Lukowicz goal as uh, as just like uh, 
one of those classic moments where you're watching the game on TV and you see someone pull off an insane move or just like score a really nice goal. And you're like, damn, who was that? Cause you like miss who it was. Cause you didn't recognize the number. And then you just wait for the replay and then just go like Lee sweat. <laughs> who the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> little, little would you know that he would be the, the best uh, Canuck to wear number 57. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Most affordable at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, also reading about him in that night, uh, surprised to see that it was one of the few times the Canucks went out and shelled for two brothers to be on the same team. That's right. Bill. Yeah. Bill sweat. Yeah. I think like a month later they, they grabbed him. Uh, I can't remember any other time the Canucks have ever done that, but no, I think that's the only time tip yeah. of my tongue. Well, I mean, didn't they have like two court or something on the team? Yeah, that sounds Russ right. And yeah. That's and the then one. they had Jamie Linden uh, was at a training camp once too. So don't, don't forget about old Jamie. Linden. <laughs> All okay, right. guys. Oh. He got in a fight in training camp. It was exciting. Oh, uh, didn't have BX's luck. Unfortunately. Oh, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> he didn't no. punch out of Fedorov, so he couldn't make a career out of it, unfortunately. <laughs> no. Well, he was the brother. Somebody should have punched him. That's true. Someone should have... made their career off of Maybe someone did. We just don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I seem to vaguely recall this move, like the move to get sweat into the scam actually ended up costing the Canucks like hundreds of thousands of dollars in cap relief or something. Do you guys remember this story at all? That just rang a bell and I've not thought about that since, but I think you're right. It was something like, you know, they, they got him into this game for, for whatever reason um, when he like, wasn't supposed to play. uh, And then he ended up like, like he got called up and ended up getting hurt while he was called up. And so as a result, like his cap hit, like counted instead of not counting or something like oh. that. Yeah, I think like, it took a shot to the ankle. It's hard to come back to me. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. Gilman was like, throwing yeah. a tantrum. no, he's like, he was working with yeah. 20 bucks of like deadline maneuverability at the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I butchered the story, but uh, yeah, that's no, a- he, he, I know that he, yeah, there was an ankle injury. And then later on it was the, uh, I think getting hit in the foot. Uh, I don't know if that was. I have the Wikipedia open. He got hit in the foot by a Shea Weber slap shot and broke mm. his foot. Not mm. a good way to go out. Yeah, no. I, I was thinking about it, and like the Canucks did an amazing job at getting so much depth D that year. Like really planning on, like mm. factoring in Canucks luck with defensemen um, and injuries, and even then it didn't work. Yeah. So I'm thinking like if that if he doesn't block that shot we actually might have like an actual body to play. In, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the thing about those days. Like even back then, I remember in the off season when they, you know, brought Alberts back and then had Yannick Weber. And I like wrote an article saying, this is like probably the most boring off season in a while. Gilman, Lawrence Gilman calls me up and rips into me and lays out the reasons <laughs> why it's not boring and how Yannick Weber was going to be a u- underutilized tool, etc. And I respect it because he was he had a plan. At least it made sense. But like, that's the thing. They, they felt like that team always had a plan, always a reason. Whereas now it's like, I guess we'll sign Myers at seven years. Like it's just there's no yeah. like maneuverability here. Whereas back in the day, like, it's not that everyone's saying Gilman and Gills were the best, but yeah. I could at least understand what they were doing. And if I didn't, they would yell at me, and I was fine with that. It, it, it felt yeah, it felt like they knew something that we didn't. Yes, exactly. But yeah. This management, uh, I I don't feel that. <laughs> I feel like I know exactly what they're doing, and I don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, and we can all admit they made mistakes. Like everyone knows, Cam Barker was not a good call. <laughs> mm, <laughs> well, yeah. we fun to it. They made mistakes, but for the most part, 
like they would at least do things that you could kind of see the pattern. Even when they started drafting players that were like a year or two older, like, cause you know more of what you're going to get with those players that didn't pan mm-hmm. out. We're going to get players that, you know, that we know, like they're good people. Cody Hodson didn't necessarily work out because of his dad. So like there were things that kind of went out that they tried and didn't work, but it felt yeah. like they were always willing to adapt. And which is why I really wanted to see them get a chance to do a rebuild just to see what they would bring to the table. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have so many of us wanted to see that real quick. How many times did you get those calls? I got calls, texts throughout the time. I think one time I, I missed him. I wished him Merry Christmas. He's like, I'm Jewish. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's he great. was such a good sport, though. But then like, one time I did like an article, like obviously with Legion of Blog, we're doing joke articles. And we did a joke about how he like might, might try and stab, threaten someone with a protractor. And he got up in my grill like, I'm not just a math guy. I'm trying to be a GM. Like, stop painting me as just this math guy. And I was like, oh, sorry, sorry. I was like, it's just a joke article. And after all the whole thing, I ended it with, with Merry Christmas. And that's when he's like, I'm Jewish. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. So that's I always awesome. remember to, to not say Merry Christmas every year. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you. Uh, all right. Up next um, is five versus 12 at number five. It is the... Audi ad. Um, oh, yes. As read by Elias Patterson. Uh, so what, what you're saying is uh, on in the next uh, matchup, we have the Roxy Fever theme song. Yes. Uh, iconic, <laughs> iconic moment uh, for everyone. Uh, Roxy Fever theme song versus the beach ball meme. Oh, my God. <laughs> so sorry, two, boys. So two, sorry. Different, <laughs> two different eras of, of just like fantastic Canucks memes. I mean, I feel like you got to give it to beach ball just because that was a viral moment when we only got like three of those a year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's huge, but man. Uh, and it's also like losing to one of the most defining teams of that decade. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I do have to say the, the Pedersen Audi commercial is fantastic and it's uh it's another favorite of mine. So that's a tough, that's a tough first round matchup. Yeah. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to whoever wrote that ad read. For him. Oh, absolutely. Like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I hope. I think he wrote it. He just grabbed it and wrote it himself. I got this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Excellent. Um, random thought. I need to I need to do a meme of the beach ball meme, but instead of the beach ball, it's Ryan Beach's head. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's it. That's that. it. Yeah. <laughs> no more explanation. Um, okay, we can jump to the next bracket. Uh, number four, it's I don't know about the story, so I hope one of you can explain it. Gino versus St. Louis. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Wyatt, can you take it away? Yeah, I did the video on this one too. And I wish I did. No, I mean, I wish I'd done more. And I, I could have talked more about it. But basically, if you want to take Gino's career and just what he represents, it would be that game where, you know, St. Louis is is taking liberties with the Canucks. You know, okay, I think he was in at the time. And they were getting blown out that game and they run him a bit. And, you know, people start piling in. And Gino Ojek, who is, you know, should be in the ring of honor. I don't know why he's not right now, especially yeah. with his health concerns. Let him see his name up there. Mm-hmm. That's inexcusable to me. It's yeah. like, just like Pat Burns. He should have been in the Hall of Fame. Like, just get these guys <laughs> yeah. up there. I don't like yeah. when people come at me for like the ring of honor being like, oh, but it's not ring of honor isn't stats. It's a way to honor guys yeah. that are connected to the city. And Absolutely. No Which one else. Why, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And, no, sorry. And I was just going to say, and I'm so glad we have that because it it should, in my opinion, like, uh motivate the Canucks to be a little bit more selective with the uh jerseys they retire in the future. Yes. Because mm-hmm. they have that mm-hmm. and because they frankly in my opinion have too many jerseys retired for a team that's never won a Stanley Cup. But anyways, who would be against 
Ojek up in the in the in the rafters like yeah, that, that doesn't make up, any sense. Up in the Ring of Honor, no one would, and that's why I again like I hope this one wins the tournament. So as I said on Trust the Process, I want him to go in the Floorboards of Glory and the Ring of Honor on the same night. Like I'll coordinate with the Canucks. <laughs> we'll install the Floorboards of Glory at the same time. We'll have dual cameras. We can make it work. Just just talk to me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like for Gino, if, I think a lot of people who don't necessarily want him up there didn't didn't see him live because if you saw Gino live or even did some research, watch videos of him, there's been no one else in the city that have chanted his, his name like that. Like when someone, when someone on the team got hit hard, they would start chanting Gino, letting the other team know he's going <laughs> to fuck you up. Like that does not happen. And he would then go out the ice and fuck you up. Like Gino was just, would do anything for his team. Uh, like, you know, when he gets traded, he fights Strudwick the next night against his former team because he's so mad about being traded and they throw down. It's great and iconic. But wow. against St. Louis, he just basically beats up the entire, like he beats any, everyone up. It's punching everyone. People are scared. Glenn Anderson backs off and wants nothing to do with him. Pretends he's going to drop the gloves, runs away. Gino's going after everyone. Shirts off, just like willing to fight the entire St. Louis team for daring to go after his team. Um, and again, I'm not going to say that helps him win the series, but like it does, you know, just as a fan, I'm sure as a teammate, you see this guy going to war for you. Like mm. again, anyone out there who has never seen Gino play, go Google Gino Ojek penalty shot and yes. watch the crowd lose their yes. shit. Ooh. And thank well you for bringing is. that up. Yeah. Yes. One of my favorite, uh, old school uh memes you know i'm like watching pre, it right now <laughs> pre-internet era memes the uh the gino ojic shootout goal on uh mike vernon i believe um, oh yeah yeah excellent stuff and also just like there's nothing better than watching than like getting to watch teammates get super excited and surprised that they're like goon teammates scored a goal it's just one of my favorite <laughs> things getting to watch that Ojek looks like he scored the game winner in game seven. He's literally running on the ice. I remember doing that. I was like, he's actually running on the ice. Like everything with Gino, he's just a beauty. Everyone's got a story of meeting Gino. And just the fact Gino goes to Russia and goes, like, I want to I want to find Burry. Can someone just point where Pavel Burry is? Like he's <laughs> I love the dude. And like he's just someone that would do anything for his team and is, mm. you know, one of the most beloved players in this city. And I have no idea how he's not in the ring of honor. But yeah, mm. watch the clip, yeah. watch the shootouts. Is I yeah, just a fantastic player for this team. So that is going to win this one as memorable as Corey Schneider's cramps against <laughs> Chicago can be. Can you take that one away as well? I saw that you had yeah. Matt Sakaris on through this video. Yeah, we got Matt. We got yeah, a couple of media guys involved. It was a lot of fun. Sakaris came on um, and he said, give me something from like 2008 onwards. I'm like, here's your chance. Cramps up. And I think Luongo's gone over better than we did where he talked about how it was like a wrestling event when he had to come on the ice. Cause this is again, the, the middle of a rivalry. Um, Chicago fans hate Vancouver. Vancouver hate Chicago. You got Corey Schneider. That, that, that again, it's still kind of surreal to remember that this Hall of Fame goalie in Luongo um, is, you know, kind of being pushed out of his nets during the playoffs, which it's a bit normal now. I guess more normal now that you kind of see a goalie kind of take a seat back. But back then it was like, what? okay, I guess we're going with Schneider. And they go with Schneider and he plays okay, but then he cramps up and all of a sudden you got Luongo to come out. And it almost felt like a perfect storyline where Luongo would come in and save the day. Obviously they score and win, but then they win the series. But just for the, the, drama of the moment and again we didn't want to go too deep into 2011 because there's so many things to choose from but just mm -hmm. if you were there and even from the crowd reaction of the chicago fans and from Longo talked about it it really was like all of a sudden it's the royal rumble and the longo's music hit and he starts running back to the arena and it was just kind of like one of those big moments that you know i think from 2011 i'll always remember yeah i don't have much to say about this this was a terrifying couple of weeks in my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i think it was for everybody just panic attacks after a game lost and, and all the radio is talking about is who is going to play. Yeah. It is funny to Wyatt pointing out like how this stuff is, doesn't seem like a big deal anymore, but it used to be such a big deal. If your starter 
wasn't starting in the playoffs. Whereas now I feel mm. like the attitude is more like, well, yeah, like you, you go with the guy who's like more game ready. And if, if for whatever reason your starter is having trouble, like you just go to the backup because you can't, you know, you four, four losses and you're out, you can't afford to waste time. Um, but uh, yeah, it was the way the, the media talked about Luongo uh, during his heyday year was truly something else. And mm-hmm. really, really gives the, the like anti-neg crowd uh, really puts some of the stuff they say in perspective because it's like, where were you? Where were you guys when we were, you know, in the process of running a franchise uh, goalie out of town? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but oh anyways. my gosh. Yeah, that was yeah. a good point. <laughs> Uh, so I think we know the winner in that one, but yes. next up is six versus 11, uh, game seven, Calgary, 2004, Dovinovsky yep. dunks for joy in the penalty yeah. box. That, um, was supposed to be Alex all talking about it, but he ghosted me. I'm calling him out right now. Um, he oh. said he did the old, Oh, did I miss the deadline? I'm so sorry. And I said, no, you still got three more days and ghosted me. And I'm like, Alex, no, no, no. So I'm calling <laughs> you out buds. You saw it. <laughs> I do apologize. Even real life stuff. I'm sure that's probably what is happening, but oh, as sure. a funny yeah. aside, yeah. Cause I would do that. Like, it's no big deal, but, um, yeah, that was, you know, a huge moment just because uh, one that I didn't know if I wanted on the list, but because it ended, like we've talked about before, it's one of those big moments that ends in sadness briefly afterwards. So it still yeah. fits mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the end of game six in 94, same thing, right? Like, yay. And then, oh, this is what's like to be a Canucks fan. This is just a more condensed version where, you know, they're playing Calgary. This is the whole Bertuzzi season where he's out and like we're having rallies for Bertuzzi, free Bertuzzi and We've got the GM of Colorado saying, I, I don't know the doctor, but I think he's got a broken neck. And it's like, there's so much. It's insane to remember what it was like at the time, like both sides yeah. playing it up. Uh, and then the stock being put into Marty Ruchinski as the yeah. savior. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ruchinski and Mark Bergevin, like he tells jokes. So he's really fun in the room. Like, okay, I guess. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, so they have this game and, you know, looks like they're down and out. And I remember I was at this game live. And oh, um, boy. Yeah, I didn't want to see Calgary celebrate. I just, I don't know. Even 2011, I left a bit early. I'm like, I can't analyst uh so i start walking out i'm going down the stairs but i did one of those like you know look over your shoulders as you leave the bar things and as i look over i see nazan starting to do the run down the ice i'm like oh and he gets that i'm like oh maybe and so i'm slowing down looking over my shoulder <laughs> and he goes to the net I'm like oh and then matt cook hits it and to this day that is the most like actual electricity in the air i've ever felt for a goal just because that whole season has so much emotion behind it yeah. that was again that was the end of the west Coast express for all intents and purposes like that yeah. was done there um, 2003 we everyone kind of knew that was the year they should have won it so 2004 was the one last gasp with a kick of the can and it didn't work but just the people were like literally shaking the boards freaking out there are people in the hallways running around celebrating high-fiving like it i've never felt energy in the air like i have that <sighs> night and then so you settle down for overtime and you're like, oh, wait, Joe was still in the box. <laughs> <laughs> and then, we you know, Marty Jella did all the rest. <laughs> Good God. That is absolutely impossible. Why couldn't you right? hit the post then, Marty? <laughs> Not in the goal that they didn't see like Happy Bull and like they kicked it out and we just didn't see yeah. it go in. Come on. Yeah. Uh, it, it is funny to look back and remember like Matt, that Matt Cook was a part of so many really important yeah. moments in Canucks history. And then right after he left, he becomes such a hated player across the league. Yeah. That's always a weird one. Uh, yeah. Up next is the end of game six and Wyatt, I want to admit, I don't know which game six you're talking about. I'm pretty sure I do, but I don't, I'm going to let you take it away. 94. Yeah. That'll be, okay. yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a good matchup because they're both, you know, really happy moments followed by sadness. Yeah. Uh, this one, was probably the closest to not being on the list because it is such an iconic moment. It gave us Lyndon O'Hill playing crutches, you know, he'll play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was Jim Robson at its finest, kind of going silent and the crowd take it away. It was even just the fact that at the end of that game, for people that remember, they're up a goal and then Jeff Cortnell scores a goal 
you know, under the bar and, and no one could tell, like Jeff thought he scored, but no one could tell. And then the Rangers come back the other way and they score a goal. So all of a sudden it goes from the two goal lead to tie game. And I was like, Oh my God, like what's going to happen. And you're sitting back then they're doing a, a goal replay. And as a Vancouver fan, you assume like they'll just screw it up or and they're looking at tiny standard deaf TV, TVs back then, but they get the call, right? So they point to the goal. It's Cardinals goal. The crowd goes crazy. Everyone's freaking out. And on the flip side of the saddest part, that's also the game where, for me, I think Messier cemented himself as the most iconic villain in this town yeah. because Linden's got broken ribs. He's barely surviving ah. these games. He's going down. He gets, I can't remember who threw, but someone was an elbow at him. So he falls to the ice. He's literally crawling to the bench. And again, if you ever want to know why Jim Robinson is my favorite, because he's watching this game play out and he oh. focuses on that. That was the most important part of that play. And so, because the game was over and he's like, oh, Linden got hit high. Don't, so I did it. And then Messi comes from behind and cross checks him right near the boards in the bench. And again, as I will listen, yeah. there's tons of people listening to the radio back then. We couldn't, people couldn't see on TV. That was what we all remembered. And the fans are booing. And he's like, you know, everyone's mad. Because Linden, again, back then, if you weren't around, Linden was an icon. Like he was untouchable mm-hmm. in this city. Like I know he became part of this team now, but like back then he could do no wrong. He was the golden boy and have Messi, the sign of all evil come and like, just take him out and hurt him. Like that's why people don't realize next year when like Messi is signed by the Canucks or a couple years later, it was so fucked up. It was so weird mm-hmm. to have Keenan Messi there. So there are just so many strings to that end of that game that I kind of wanted to have it all in there and have just people decide if they want that. That's also the game that we had the iconic, McLean and Linden hug as well. This is why the show mm-hmm. goes five hours because I have so many layers. Sorry, boys, but there's just so no, much no, to that game. No, no, I, as as much as you want. <laughs> I always speak fast as it is, but there's so much to talk about. <laughs> Please add as much as you want. I think I literally had a dream the other day. It had no no context, but I'm pretty sure that photo was in the dream. It, yeah, yeah. Like there was a poster in the back and on like on the wall in whatever room the dream was in. <laughs> That's one of the most to me. I mean, obviously, like. We're from Vancouver, so it's different or whatever. But like, that's one of the most iconic hockey photos of all time, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, sure. I was gonna, I was just gonna add that, like, on the Linden being an icon thing, there are so many people in Vancouver and in BC who are named Trevor. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> who are around of my kids. age? <laughs> <laughs> I was born not long after, uh, or a little bit before the finals. So yeah. uh, that really. Uh, if you grew up not watching Lyndon really play, like I only got to watch him uh, in the West Coast Express era uh, and up till uh, 08. Um, like my favorite Lyndon moment was uh, probably 2003 Minnesota um, when he was in on one of those 1.2 seconds left goals that Matt Cook scored, I think in game five or something, or maybe game six. Uh, like for me, that was like, oh my God, overtime heroics moment. And then also him scoring in like the Dallas series and I was Turco, that little tip where it just slides past Turco. Yeah. I was at that game too yeah. and I had a linen jersey. I ran around pumping my logo like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. What a good time. Uh so yeah, I would also by the way like to call that part of the bracket the Marty Jelena uh bracket. <laughs> yes. Um anyways That's fair. uh so up next is uh, number three verse 14 uh JT Miller F bombs. Yeah, of course. We wanted a bit of more uh current content and it has been obviously with a crowd out you can hear players a lot more but jt's gone above and beyond with his swearing like multiple times on the shift slamming the bench it's it's clearly become a storyline so at the end of the day when you look at this tournament and you look at all these items on there i want you to think it and look at that and be like oh i have a clear memory of that stuff and i think if you look back at that you'll remember the season as the year that jt miller lost his shit because he's he's just mad out there all the time so we mm-hmm. definitely want i don't think it's gonna go far i don't think it's gonna win but just for terms of like kind of like viral moments we wanted that one with that one on mm-hmm. there yeah, I am surprised that he's a standout for doing this. Who else? Like, how how are other players not swearing that much? They're hockey players. 
He's just mad my tweet keeps getting shown on the broadcast. I think yeah, it's that's, yeah. <laughs> he wants you to hear it. <laughs> but it's not even swearing. It's like him like pointing out at teammates and like when, it's when he's, he's swearing when he, his own teammates miss the puck, which is like a bit like, oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> which is totally fine. I don't give a shit. It's beer league. I don't care. I'm not gonna make a big deal of it, but it is something you don't, normally don't see as much. So, yeah, yeah it's definitely been interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that one goes up against number 14, Jeff Tambellini's back check. Oh, lovely. Someone uh, on Twitter, and I'm sure they're a very polite person, uh, told me that I, A, they didn't really remember what back check it was, to which I dry heaved. And then they said that, well, I think Pedersen's had a better back check, to which I got really angry <laughs> and turned to JT Miller because what the fuck? <laughs> uh, no, this back check, if you watch it, is amazing because he's, you know, all of a sudden, Uraz got a breakaway and it's like Mario Kart. He hits a triple mushroom and he fucking flies and catch up to him. Hits Erat from behind, so it's not no, no penalty taken. And you got Jim Houston being like, he buries him. Everything about that play is amazing. When I reached out to Jeff, he's like, I'm so happy people remember that play. And he did the video for Aww. us, which was awesome. Like, <laughs> I just, again, 94, if they win the cup, that picture of Lyndon and McLean is like immortalized. It already is, but imagine how much is immortalized. Yeah. In 2011, if like they won the cup, that back check would be immortalized <laughs> even further just because it's it such a big True. moment. So True. He's Absolutely. so fast on that play. Oh. He looks like the other number 10. Oh, yeah. like It's, it's insane. <laughs> it looks like he definitely like, he took some space jam, special juice, did something, something illegal and just fucking took off. And, and I love that back check, man. If I could ask him any question, and there's a lot of guys that this applies to, like particularly the sort of guys of that era, my all my favorite guys who were like sort of bottom six skill players who could never make an impact in the lineup because of how the Canucks generally like to roll like a traditional top six, bottom six or whatever guys like him, Ryan Shannon is another guy. But like one thing I would love to know is whether Jeff thinks like if he had played later, if he was just a little bit younger, if his career would have been longer because Mm. like he was so good. Um, And he, I feel like he would have, he would have had more of a place on a Canucks team, like three or four or even five years later when like, the league started to put so much more of a premium on speed because he, he is kind of like now the platonic ideal of like what you want in your bottom six guy. Who's pretty fast, uh, tough, you know, not like, not a, not a overly, um, you know, truculent player as uh, Brian Burke would say, but definitely tough and fast, got some skill, can pot a couple of goals. I always thought it was kind of a shame that he, uh, he wasn't uh, he didn't play in a in a later era where teams could have made a bit more use of him i think yeah he had a great shot too like he was really good in the shootout and <laughs> even someone like mason raymond was probably a bit too early because he's someone who had speed and they, we all made Absolutely. fun of him for circling the rink but like he generated a lot and if we're elevating tyler mott for the speed and breakaways he generates yes. mason raymond did that in spades um so yeah there's probably some players that could have gotten more out of again i'll always go to bat for kyle wellwood i would hope that Absolutely. he would have a bit yeah like the guy yeah, he's that he's the he's the, the the biggest guy who's like that well don't yeah. go after his weight that's mean but yeah like he's the guy that would <laughs> yeah i mean fair <laughs> But yeah, yeah, Jeff Chamberlain, again, the fact that he was willing to do the video for us and, you know, so many good memories. And yeah, you, you bring up a great point just about how like set in ways teams are with their traditional like Nintendo lineups of like, no, we need like our big guys, small guys, medium guys. That's how it works. And yeah, it's great when you can get the Rappy Torres for your bottom lines and the Canucks lucked out and the fact that like his career was in a spot where you sign that one year deal. But sometimes, you know, why not roll the dice and the skill? And we're seeing yeah. more of that now. But yeah, definitely. I mm-hmm. think you would regret that, too. Yeah, I definitely check out the video. 
Uh, it really looks like it's the most agile I've ever seen a player in a game outside of uh, like, this looks like he's doing the skills competition at, a, at the all-star game. <laughs> like yeah. that's, a, that's how quick his feet are moving. I've never seen somebody run that fast. Like actually run uh, yeah. on ice uh, outside of that, you know, Ojek Sally. But I think I said you said yeah. in the video. Uh, I think fear fueled a lot of that. <laughs> I want to keep playing more <laughs> games in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, you don't even know he'd be the last one left in Game Seven. <laughs> who would have? Sorry, yeah. who? Uh, who is BX? So I'm uh, on the video. Who is BX's D partner in in the playoffs that year? Who blew it? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How can we blame this on Alex Edler? No. Yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah, classic. Uh, so that's uh, that's a great one. I hope that one goes. I hope it goes far. all the way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Uh, up next, uh, it's a bracket of two ep- of two moments that we've already done episodes for. Oh, it's vote vote for Rory versus oh, Balls yeah. of Steel. Ah, another oh. just criminal first round matchup. Yeah, this is tough. Very how tough. do you how do you even pick between those? I can't. Like, what did you do for the video for Rory? Uh, Bowman put together. Bowman's been doing so much hard work on this, uh, and he's doing all the video editing. So big shout to uh, my co-host Jordan Bowman for putting in all the effort in this. Like, if you're if anyone's wondering why these votes are coming, you know, a bit further apart, it's because it's one man doing a lot of the work now. Like I set up a lot of the initial stuff, but he's doing all the videos and he's making them more interactive videos, like putting in clips and stuff. So it takes a while. Uh, and we use a lot of this kind of the old clips from the vote for Rory stuff, and you kind of go over. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Chapman did this video in particular, but Bowman edited it. Chapman just talked about, you know, how that was such a big thing at the time. And he brings up a great anecdote that Botford told him about the whole thing about how uh Lyndon Kai boshed Rory Fitzpatrick from talking to the media about the all star thing. <laughs> Which, again, when you get older, the, you heard a bit more about like the kind of uh, not dictatorship style, but the very like strict style of Lyndon at times. <laughs> and like Hordeshak alluded to it, but it was Hordeshak. So we all said, fuck you, Hordeshak, and didn't listen to him. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Lyndon definitely had like, you know, could rub people the wrong way with kind of how. I, I think he knew he was the golden boy. Let's just say that. So, yeah. um, so Fitzpatrick wasn't allowed to talk to the media about it, unfortunately, but that kind of was the John Scott before John Scott thing yeah. happened. And there also was back then the, like, did the angel rig this? Cause all of a sudden Niedemar got magical votes out of nowhere and the conspiracy mm-hmm. theory started. Yeah. So uh, definitely a lot of meat on the bone on that one. Yeah. I just want to make, I just want to make it clear that uh, the official position of the Roxy fever podcast on the vote for Rory uh, incident is that it was a uh, Florida in 2000 uh, type situation. 100%. I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I you do found not some think good articles that was a for free, our free and fair election. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. You found some amazing articles in that episode that really deep dived uh, right into the NHL's voting process. Like, this was also like the week that there's a whole uh, uh, Iowa Bernie versus Buttigieg. Uh, thing yeah. that we were all really yeah. mad about. It was, so it was like the exact same shit was happening. <laughs> I was Blood, so happy uh, that I got to, that bleeding. we got to do that one that week. Like, yeah, just, just be able to scream about like the same shit. Yeah, yeah. That was, that please was listen to our premium episodes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that this one. Is- that one this, was an was an excellent one. This is uh, truly the ideal uh, crossover because it's a it's good promotion for trust the process, which I'm sure like a lot of our listeners uh, yeah. would be super into because it's similarly uh, bullshit minded. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's way. also it's also a really great advertisement for our Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that goes up against the other episode, which was Sammy Sallow's uh, uh, out of out of in the honor of Sammy Sallow, Balls of Steel. Yes. Yeah, I'm still working on getting Sammy Sallow to do a oh, video for it. I almost had it, so I'm still hoping. Like, 
we're not planning on doing videos for the second round, but if any of these players step up going, Hey, I want to, you know, support my own cause. We are all for it. So if I get <laughs> Sammy, I will. Uh, yeah. And that again was, I don't think we need to go too far into that one, but it is one of the most iconic. It is the most famous testicle story from Vancouver. Yep, uh, yes. And Sammy Sell himself is on record saying that's his favorite story. Just cause this is a guy that, you know, Bowman did the video on it and he went over it, and like, this is a guy that literally has been snake bitten. Like it's insane. The level of injuries <laughs> he's had, right? Like yeah. literally bitten by a snake and he gets hands mole man out there. And, uh, yeah, and comes out and like who else? Like again, the, the city for all its you know all the the noises we can have with it and the fan base enough, them to come together and chant "Balls of Steel" is one of the probably the best fan chants we've heard in in the NHL. Absolutely, I know. Like culturally, Sammy Sallow, like we didn't really get. He was pretty soft spoken, or just you know wasn't in the media that much. Uh, there was plenty of other personalities uh, to take up that position instead of him, but. I it's hard for me to find anybody who's a Canucks fan from that era who didn't just naturally smile when they thought of Sammy Salo. Well, who doesn't like Sammy Salo? Who doesn't like Sammy Salo? Like everybody. Like who is a problem with a really klutzy person, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I guess what I was going to add in is uh, I'd be so curious to hear what other players have to say about Sammy Salo. Like I would love to hear about his impact on the locker room, especially after the balls of steel thing. Yeah. It would be interesting. Again, Salo is 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 criminally underrated. I think when he was fully healthy, was uh played as a number one demon on the team, he could. He was that good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just, he was, he was yep. yeah, you could slot in anywhere yep. you wanted. Uh Yannick Hansen, but better, but for D. Um, <laughs> I feel like there was an there was a an amazing winning record stat. Like when Sammy was in the was in the lineup, the Canucks like had a very impressive winning record compared to when he wasn't. Yep, I remember that being a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I was a really good guy uh, too. Like he said, he was like he was worried about hurting people with a shot. I'm like, that's nice, but still hammer away, Salo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, next uh, at the end of the Linden bracket, um, <clears throat> Linden division is the Hamwees hip check. Hamwees, 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 the ham and cheese, ham cheese, ham and cheese hip check. Uh, yeah, I would hear Hamwee a lot. Yeah, I remember. I don't know that. which one the right one is, but anyway, take it away. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's Ham Hughes, but uh, let's go back and it's Ham Wee. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, then it's Jean Bon Wee. Yeah. <laughs> Jean Bon Wee. Jean Bon Wee. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And um, Ham, yes. <laughs> this one is, I think, perfect because it, it is uh, a perfect example of like tweets that precede bad events or whatever. <laughs> like uh, that hip check. I remember thinking it was so cool when it happened oh, and then just immediately <laughs> afterwards, like, Oh, he's hurt. Shit. <laughs> yeah. That was the, that was the final nail in the coffin for 2011 for that team. Like without Hammies back there, they couldn't, they just couldn't do it. Like you've got the team scrambling and panicking and like, can we put Keith Ballard? No, oh, we can't get Keith Ballard. And like again, Keith Ballard was was a decent defenseman, but Vigneault mind fucked him so bad that guy didn't know what he was doing anymore. Like he just they, could, they didn't want to play him. He didn't want to play. They're debating calling Nolan Baumgartner at one point, and Baumgartner's like, "What?" Huh? Like, yeah. So it's Off like the beach. Yeah, come on, Mullen, we need your help. So it's like to have Ham. He was kind of he was always taking the shit back there to go down at that because you're you're right. Like when he threw that hit and hit Lucic, who was like this villain, this number one enemy. You're like, yeah. And then you see him kind of punching when he's down, like, get off him. Hammy's is fine. And then Hammy stops moving. And then they carry him off the ice. And you're like, oh shit. And it was a lot like to me, like back in 2004, wow, Linden breaks the record for most points. And then Todd Bertuzzi oh, punches yeah, yeah. Seymour. I stood up by his chair cheering so loud. And then 
it like you know 10 five seconds past he's not getting up and then every, people scream with the stretch you just sit down quietly and you feel really <laughs> fucking terrible and you're like oh fuck what just happened right because for the first the first punch you're like this is the greatest thing in the world and you're like oh there are real consequences here and you have to sit down so yeah that's what it kind of reminds me of but it's a, a, a big sad moment of 2011 for sure obviously my brain is at what if what yeah. if what if yeah yeah uh which means that i need to change the topic uh to uh that was number two and it goes up in number uh against number 15 at the end of the Linden division it's quote we choked from marcus oh, naslin yeah. yeah this is more of the the older days um and naslin he had a reputation that, that kind of followed him around a bit because they never really went far in the playoffs and it was a lot of regular season success. But even in the regular season, they didn't get the ultimate success of like winning trophies. So, you know, it's coming down to the last game of the season. The Canucks are trying to win the division from Colorado for the first time in 10 years. Nazan's trying to win the scoring race and the point race. He's, you know, I think he was up on Forsberg, Forsberg and Hey Duke was two points behind him or something. Hmm. They blitz out their game and they, they cemented away. Nazan, all he has to do is get a couple points to try and get that. They just need to get one win against the LA Kings with the infamous Jamie store of all people in net. And they get shut out to nothing. Um, yep. It's last game. And so they don't win the division. Nazan loses the scoring races and then he gets the mic <sighs> and he's a nice guy. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, but you know, we choked to which, he said that I didn't. Know, I found this out while doing research on this. He didn't know. He's like, I wish I had known that choked was such like a strong word because I wouldn't have said that. Um, and that was kind of a lesson he learned because now that's that's everyone kind of remembers. Like you said, we choked because it's one thing for us to think it, but when the guy admits it, it kind of made it seem like, oh, he he did choke. What the? We're so used uh-huh, to captains uh-huh. giving us that whole bohor about like, hey, you know what? A couple bounces, we can win that one. All right, fine, whatever. But he says and admits it that we choked. I'd like to think that nowadays, if someone said that, we'd be more open to it. Because like Luongo on Twitter kind of set the game plan of like, yeah, if you're open to it, just kind of admit because we're all flawed. Like they're not perfect. It's going to happen, right? Like embrace it and we'll be like, cool. Like you're one of us. We're all the same. But back then, because there were so much expectations on that team and to have um, like beating Colorado was such a huge thing back then to try and be, win that division title to kind of make it seem like the team was finally on its way up for them to, to lose and choke and then have Nazan kind of confirm that uh, it was mm-hmm. a big deal at the time. So, yeah, but I do feel bad now for him to say, cause it's English is in his first language. He's out there trying to be a good captain. He goes, you know, we choked and he's like, I wish I knew what that word was here. Cause like people really Damn. got mad about it. Damn. Oh, that's disappointing. That really makes me think a lot about the short shift shift that uh, Naslin got from the media. I remember so many nights Dan Russell giving him shit for not celebrating enough after goals. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yep. Looking too, too sad. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and <sighs> I, the, the kind of guy who would probably complain if you celebrated too much too. like, Oh just, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's just such a classic, like how do I find a way to complain that this guy is European without just <laughs> yep. European? Yeah. Yeah. The constant, no team has ever won a cup without with a non-Canadian or non-North American captain. That, yeah, that's what I knew people didn't understand him. analytics and numbers when that I'm like, well, you realize the numbers, why that is, right? Like it's just so stupid. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, that's the end of the Lennon division. Um, I'm not sure who would win between those two, especially since we choked is not after like a major loss. Like that was us yeah. not getting that play out there. Ultimately title. didn't matter. But if it was yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, now we are into the city and division. Number one, Luongo's poo. <laughs> yep. This is pro- look, I'm sorry, this is probably gonna win. <laughs> another uh hair another uh classic moment that we have talked about on the Patreon before. So don't once again, not one we have to spend a ton of time on. I will just say that I reached out to Luongo and he's like, I think it would be weird for me to talk about it because I'm in management now. So I didn't get him to talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, I want to hear what Danny said. We're still paying you. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I would love to hear what Danny Saverin has to or say. Or Dave noticed, like, because that famous face of him staring oh, yeah. at the ice. Oh, like, it's what? so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Dave Notice is lucky that social media wasn't around back then because that face would be everywhere now. <laughs> yeah, that would have been like the Jim Benning yes. surprised face. Looking at his phone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before that was a thing. Wow. Yeah, that really... I was always curious when that happened. Like, oh my God, how did he not know that was going to happen? Like, forgetting that there is a huge distance between what's happening on the ice versus what's happening up in management. Yeah, God, what a historical moment. And then that goes up against, quote, the guzzler. Yes, again, it's back in the heyday of Kevin Bieksa, and he gave an interview where the guy thought he was Ryan Kessler. Oh, yes. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. If there's one guy you don't want to make a mistake in front of, it's Kevin Bieksa. Like, I want to tell you, when I went to the locker room for the first time in media, um, Kevin Bieksa terrified me. Because uh, he'd be <laughs> sitting there, and like Ed Willis would ask him a question, and he'd just rip into Ed Willis. Like, what do you mean, Ed? What, 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 tell me what you think, Ed. And he'd like, rip into him and make Ed stand up for himself. And Ed's a pro, he was fine. But I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, no, thank you. And this is when BX was like blocking half of social media. So I'm like, he's got like a tie. I'm like, I don't oh. want to mess with this guy. Like, but yeah, so his interviewer thinks he's Kessler. And so he just pretends he's Ryan Kessler. And he goes, oh, no, my teammates call me the Guzzler. <laughs> <laughs> so the funny backstory for this one is I'm playing ball hockey at UBC. I've missed like 10 Did calls. you play in Bowden? Oh, I did play in Bowdoin. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I won once. Uh, and then I lost once in that. And I hate it. Um, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. but there's also a game that Ian had in Mansing. He runs. He's been running for yes! 20 years. I met him there once. I play there all the time. <laughs> I used to play there all the time with him, not with COVID. But yeah. Dude, if you ever want to play ball hockey again, it's still going on. It'll be on there. We'll talk off air. There's still ball hockey. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> when, I, when I move back soon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. By all means, you got an open game for you. Uh, but yeah, so I'm playing ball hockey and I go to my phone. I've missed like 10 calls. And what the hell? And it's Botch. I'm like, what, what did Botch want? So I call him up. Like, where the hell are are you like what did you hear this audio interview I'm like, what are you talking about this interview is he thinks he's the he thinks they think he's the guzzler i think he's the guzzler i'm like what what's what are you talking about he thinks he's the guzzler yeah, he's the guzzler i'm like what Vince? what's going on like, so, oh my god and he tells me go home and write about this right now like I, this is perfect for you because like botch was so helpful to me in my career and he's like this is like i could write about it in like the privacy fine but like for you and this is before the privacy were really, really huge otherwise he might have yeah. but at the time i was like no this is a great thing for you because like the province wants to do off the you know the beaten path things so go mm-hmm. home here's the audio i'm going to email it to you and you write about the guzzler and so i ran home write about it one of my biggest articles and like that's the sort of thing that botch would do that would help put me on the map in terms ah. of like give me so like he gave that to me didn't need to but like he's there and he's mad am i like get home why are you playing hockey write about this guzzler <laughs> thing so i wrote him and yeah and like several things that he did were like i'll always remember him helping me out and kind of give me the stuff so that that one's a personal favorite of mine that is so cool something i loved about botch was that he he particularly as somebody else to like you know i I wasn't uh, I didn't talk to him that much or anything, but we talked every once in a while. And something that was so cool about him is that he he really understood people's brands like before they did. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, 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 I was always very appreciative of that. He was the best thing about Bosch is that if you loved writing, he would support you all the way. And if you found out that you didn't love it, you're like, that's fair. Just do what you love. Then like he wouldn't like he would just but he wouldn't do anything for you. He would just give you opportunities. And if he, if he sensed that passion yeah. in you for writing, he would go to bat for you. And that's why so many young writers have stories about him helping them out. That is so special. The ethos of that whole story you told me, you told us, uh, that could make this go far, but people are just going to see the guzzler. Yeah. It's a BX story. BX is in here 40 times. (laughs) As he deserves. We had to to. cut like 20 of his, but they're like, how much BX do we need, guys? (laughs) There's so many. (laughs) You could do a bracket of BX. Yeah, you could. Oh, 100%. We even touched milk hot dogs. Like he's got a thousand of them. All right, next up, uh, those are going to go up against Ryan Kessler, King of Nashville. Oh, man, uh, I love that. Yeah. Number eight. Yeah, 
that's well, just, I'm going to watch that video right now. <laughs> again, if they win in 2011, that's probably the most famous goal from that run, unless it was an overtime cup winning goal. But like just for like terms of for, Ryan Kessler, for all his issues, um, you know, he was our asshole. Uh, and we yeah. knew what he was, but he was our asshole. And yeah, I will never get mad at him because he literally gave everything he had to this team. If you mm-hmm. watch 20, 20, even 2009, 2010, 2011, even 2012, you will see him giving it his all in every shift and in the playoffs. There's a reason why he was injured all the time because he was blocking shots. He was going all out. And watch 2011. Watch the series against Nashville. He single-handedly, single-handedly destroys that team. Like, that is one of the best mm-hmm. individual performances I've seen any player <laughs> give. Like, he willed that team past Nashville. And that was a very good Nashville team. And they yep. had, took six games to beat them. Very, very strong defense. And there you have Ryan Kessler breaking in between... Sure, Shane O'Brien's nothing great, but Shea Weber as well breaks in between those two and gets the goal and then does his taunting celebration at the glass. Because again, if you go back a couple years earlier, the layers here, Dustin Bufflin scored a goal against Vancouver. He did the same taunt to the Canucks fans. Mm. It's like Kessler oh, always yes. remembered that. So now he's the bad guy <laughs> taunting the Nashville fans and they hated him. They probably have horror stories about Ryan Kessler, but that whole entire series, uh, Kessler was just out of this world. Yeah, I'm watching these videos. I, I remember... Uh, how scared I was of Nashville back then. Cause mm-hmm. like you brought up, uh, they were a really strong team. It wasn't like when we played San Jose, um, this was, I think maybe without the rivalry part, kind of like going up against Chicago yeah. in the first round, uh, their defense. I think Suter was on the defense, uh, Weber. I think there was a third massive person as well. Uh, their goaltending was like, yeah, this was, was the height of Pecker. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. There were, there were times where it was like you could not conceive how you could get past that defense. You knew you were going to be in their zone, but how the hell do you actually hit the net? Uh, and Kessler did it. Uh, not much to say on that, except that, I guess going back to the beginning, if the Canucks win the Cup, I'm wondering if Kessler would be a contender for Conn Smythe. Definitely. I think you would have. I think the, hype would, I think the media didn't really give the Sedins enough credit. And I think Kessler's yeah. performance was more visual. And with the goaltending yeah. the way it was, if, say, you know, he ties up in that series against San Jose, uh, say he has gets even one goal in the finals and they win, I think he gets that yeah. easily, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that goes up against uh, another one from that era is Rafi Torres destroying Brent Seabrook. Oh, Rafi Torres yeah. was so cool. <laughs> yeah, I wanted Rafi on here. because, <laughs> Like, and again, this is one of those things where you don't want to celebrate CTE and, like, kind of the, the blindside hits. But this is also just... For the, the era that it was, to remember, yeah. the Canucks were always getting beat up. And especially, the, I think it was the 2009 Chicago Blackhawks just beat the shit out of them. Like, Dustin Buffin mm-hmm. couldn't be moved. They had a big team, big boys everywhere. Like, there's nothing the Canucks... They, they just couldn't do anything against them. 2011 gets here. They're getting bigger. They got their Higgins, sure, their Kessler. They got guys bulking up a bit more. But, you know, they added one of the most psychotic players I've ever seen play the game of hockey in Rafi Torres. Like, this guy was just a bolt in the ice would go out and just try and like, just throw the biggest hits he could. And, you know, he would take out anyone. And for the Canucks to have this guy that like made people, and it's a very outdated thing to have people having their mm-hmm. head in a swivel. And I'm not suggesting I want to run from behind, but he can also land legal checks. Like he was just a hard player. Yeah. And obviously he crossed the line too many times. I get that. But like, in terms of just being like for the era, that was something that Canucks kind of really wanted in their lineup and needed. So mm-hmm. that hit behind the net, it's almost when I watch it, he's going to hit Seabrook. And before he hits it, it's almost like he's turning to complain to the ref ahead of time. Like he knows <laughs> this is wrong. He's like, what? And then hits Seabrook <laughs> and just obliterates Seabrook. And again, you know, I'm not, I'm not celebrating Seabrook's injury, but in terms of just having this guy on your team, that's just like, he can score goals. He's fast. He can hit people. Like people, when people say, that Jake for 10 and can be Rafi Torres. I fucking laugh because Rafi Torres is so much better 
And I'm yeah, not doing double Jake, but Rafi Torres was like a potential. He was like at one point a top line player for the Oilers. Like he was mm-hmm. a good yeah. player. I'm not saying he's, he's an elite. He's drafted first like third overall or something, yeah. right? Yeah, he's not an elite <laughs> player, right. but like he's a guy if he's in your top six, like and in, like when he's healthy in his prime, yeah. love him. Yeah. Like great. Yeah. So I just wanted one hit to kind of encapsulate that. We could have gone with a game one goal against Boston, but mm-hmm. just for in terms of the violence he brought, that was kind of the one I think people remember the most. <laughs> yeah. Also, because it was against Chicago too, who everyone just yeah, hated. and like the other thing too, as a Canucks fan, was like. It drove me up the wall when it was like any other team being up on the Canucks. Oh, well, that's just good hard hockey. The second yeah. the Canucks have any pushback, it's like, oh, well, they're the dirtiest team in existence. And it's like, yeah. well, <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. think that's how that works. It really feels like I don't remember Rafi Torres having much of a reputation before that hit. Like no, a few years really. later, Rafi Torres, one of the most hated players in the league by any team, by any fan, really. But it was only kind of around that hit uh, I think a hit on him on Seabrook, and then I feel like a hit on Hosa. He also trucked Douglas well. Murray. Like Douglas Murray was a, was a tree trunk, and he oh, obliterated yeah. him. <laughs> like yeah. Torres was just a beast. And yeah, you're right. I think he got more of a reputation from that. I think 2011 painted in a lot of reputations for a lot of players coming out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, thanks Ron McLean for that hit piece on Burroughs. But there's a lot of stuff that kind of came out of that. And but at the end of the day, just Rafi Torres, like just what he brought to the team in in terms of being a guy that could fit what was the prototypical lineup of having your, you know, your gritty third line, like Hanson, mm-hmm. Higgins, Torres, all on that bottom line. Like what a, what a line up you could bought that bottom six was. Yeah. And yeah. If, 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 let's go back in time. If Manny doesn't get hit in the goddamn eye. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different story. Cause they leaned on Kessler so hard. Like Kessler breaks his body. Cause he's picking up the defensive load of Manny. My whole, it's all there. It's all a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, its own, it's its own like arc. It's its own. <sighs> it's so bad. Oh, God. Okay. Next up, uh, we're going to five versus 12. It's Torts' Murphy bed versus uh, Pablo Berry's elbow. It absolutely rocks that John Tortorella was coach for one year and he's in here twice. <laughs> That's so good. That makes me so happy. He's here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah. That's correct. Yes. The That's Dave right. Barrett of uh, Canucks coaches um, bringing us memes that would last decades. Uh, past his initial run but uh yeah the the murphy bed is uh is a funny one just because like for a lot of um for a lot of guys like that would be that that would be enough you know that just making it in here once for for the murphy bed let alone uh also having the uh the line brawl but um just my uh i want to add in here as another underrated torts moment uh, or a couple of other underrated to- towards moments. Cause I think it's the last chance we're going to have to talk about him. Uh, David Booth is a weird dude. <laughs> he was correct. Uh, yeah. Very correct. Yeah. And then another um, uh, favorite one of mine was the, uh, when they asked him about, I don't even remember why he was being asked about Sarah McLaughlin. I think she did some sort of charity thing for the Canucks. And uh, and he got asked about her anyways. And he was just like, oh, isn't she the lady from the sad animal commercial? Yeah, I turned that off whenever it comes on because it makes me too sad. I was hoping you were going to say the one where he uh, reamed out a player. It might have been Booth. Booth. Mm-hmm. might have been Kessler. It was Booth? Yeah. Oh, I know what story Perfect. you're going to tell, say. Tell the story. <laughs> um, well, Torts shows up to a meeting. And then once all the players are there, he starts reaming out David Booth for being the last one there and being late. But it turns out Booth was the first one there. He just <laughs> hated Booth so much he just didn't notice. 
just like what That's the right. fuck dude i hear they went towards that like yeah half the time he's right but also like when he wants to mail it in it's clear like right now i'm convinced he's like just gonna i'm gonna ruin patrick lines they fire me i'm tired i'm good like 100 <laughs> right like yeah. oh i'm gonna ruin their star player they had to he just doesn't want to play he just doesn't want to touch there anymore <laughs> yeah, yeah right and he, in Vancouver, he always like he's like a used car salesman like he, they asked him like it was i remember the preseason he's like why aren't you buying the bench for the preseason games like oh, i got a better view from up top and like he just didn't want to yeah. coach the game hell yeah <laughs> ah, that rocks like, the cool dude has had great excuses been there been there many times yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah just in case anybody doesn't remember specifically what happened here is that the canucks built a murphy bed in tortorella's office because tortorella kept going back home uh, to his home that was not in Canada. In Point Roberts, yep, just <laughs> over the Point border. Roberts. <laughs> uh, and the Canucks were like, uh, I would have loved to hear what I don't know Gilman or whoever it was was going was going through to try to figure out like how the hell do we make this guy feel more comfortable doing his job? It was the sleep doctor that came up with yeah. that. <laughs> just build a bed. <laughs> what if we built him a bed closer to where you work and also in the same country? <laughs> Yeah, and also he never used the bed. I yeah. want to buy the bed. Oh, yeah, imagine having that bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, that goes up against uh, Pavelberry's elbow, uh, which I believe ah, Shane Trilla. Yep. Oh, uh, also, I just have to add uh, Dan Murphy bed. Okay. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, just that's uh, that's an Thank idea you. out there. Thank Any you. of our listeners, you're looking for a good Twitter name? There, there you go. Ooh. Um, that's a good one <laughs> yeah anyways so the Burry elbow uh, this is back when you know this is again the thing that made Don Cherry love Burry so you know it involved violence um, before <laughs> that he was just this like you know cowardly <sighs> European uh, but then against the Dallas series again these were big boys the 94 team was probably the toughest cock team I've seen there's a bunch of big boys Definitely. Toronto was big mm-hmm. Dallas was big I think I talked to Greg Adams about it and he said that that series against Dallas is the toughest one of all of them, just because like there was like Kevin Hatcher, Darian Hatcher, all these guys are trying to murder each other. They didn't like each other, and this is the era of kind of like do whatever you want and like hooking and yeah. slashing and take care of your own business out there. And this is when you actually needed a Geno because people would take liberties, and that's why they had Sean Antosky on the stupid <laughs> roster because this is a big guy that can throw down. And so they're hacking and whacking at Burry, going all after him, and like you know he realizes they're not going to call anything on me. And Shane Schiller is one of the biggest guys. I think he tried to throw a hit on him in the corner on the same play. So coming up the ice, uh, Burry sees Sherlock kind of skating behind him, kind of catch up to him. And Burry almost like goes left and then leans right and throws the biggest elbow you've ever seen. And Greg Adams described it saying, like, I heard a crack and I looked behind. And I saw like I heard that elbow and I looked and like Sherlock's out and come on again. We're not selling the CT aspect of it. But back then, that was like Burry, quote unquote, standing up for himself. Don Cherry loved it, but it knocked Sherlock out and. Greg, uh, sorry, Greg, uh, Greg Adams is a player. So he's like, that helped turn it around for us. And sure, I don't know if we can go attribute all that to that, but it did kind of you know, if, if I just saw Burry murder one of my teammates in front of me with an elbow, I'm going to be like, oh, maybe I should, you know, be a little wary of this little guy. And, you know, Burry was a muscly dude. That elbow hurt. So it was one of those things that now I think back then they fined him $500, which is insane to think about. To which Holy. fans crowdfunded and paid for it. So Burry didn't even pay for it. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, everyone's like, we'll pay for it. Gladly. That's such oh, an no. early, that's such a, <laughs> oh. that prefigures such a like type of guy on the internet now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I'll pay for it. And so they paid for it, and then that was it. And yeah, after that, uh, Don Cherry just absolutely loved him some Pavel Bure. So, <laughs> yeah, anything that gets you onto Rock'em Sock'em hockey probably deserves to, yeah, uh, be on, on this bracket. Mm-hmm. And another nice, uh, 
another nice thing about this too is that it gets uh, some representation for that Dallas series, which I know I think a lot of people mm-hmm. probably wouldn't really remember otherwise. So that's nice. It was from what I hear a great series, but I was too. Yeah, I mean, I remember random moments of it, but like I don't remember narratives. Mm-hmm. That's how I remember that it was a Dallas series in that in that cup run. Yeah, because of the Churla. Yeah. Although, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that series yeah. kind of gets ignored because you've got the Calgary series, you've got Toronto, New York, and then Dallas is kind of the forgotten one. But it was. They were a very big, tough team. And that was a series in which I think Russ Cortnell was fantastic in, in which they eventually got Russ Cortnell a couple years later. But overall, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, just a, it's just hard to think about because that kind of elbow now really would be like under the Aaron Rome, Rome rules would be like 100 games. <laughs> right. It was just, it was so vicious. Yeah. yeah. You'd never be allowed to play a playoff game again. Yeah, you'd be done. Yeah, playoff oh, yeah. games, yeah, done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I looked at uh, Shane Trello's Wikipedia. Turns out he is a distant cousin of uh, Rick Rippin. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. I'm just going to add that in. <laughs> yeah, I learned. Um, so that one goes, uh, we're hoping for his elbow will we'll go up uh, just to... Just to show that this is not just a post-2007. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I want some older ones to win for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Next is uh, Chubarov abandoning his car. Of course. This will be... People will be glad to have us talk about this one because this is one that infamously has not gotten a Patreon episode because it's just too brief. There's not enough information yeah. out there about it. We're going to have to, we're, we need a good source for this one first. Did we like almost record an episode about it? Close it, to. We came yeah. close. Cause we, cause we did an episode on Russians, right? It was and all we, like the Russians like, that don't have enough Russians. stuff for an actual episode. Exactly. And he yeah. was one of the Chubarov was one of the guys that we did along with uh Shirokov, Krutov and Tramkin. Um, yeah, but one of uh, our really good Heritage Minute episodes. One of my favorites that we've done. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I gotta ask, Wyatt, is this a true story? <laughs> is this real? Yeah. Yeah, it is real. I talked to Bosch okay. about it. It was a real story. Um, okay. I should talk reach out to Ryan Nicholas see if he has any context either about it. But yeah, it was. It's one of those stories where, like, before this started, we're like, we want to do a car story, so we either do, as we mentioned last episode, Dan Cloutier murdering someone with a Porsche, which was not true at all, <laughs> which was very dark, or we go with the funny one where Artem Jabarov just went back to Russia and straight up left his car in GM place at the time. Uh, and again, there's not too much to it. You can't make too much. He just basically said, "Fuck it, I'm out." There goes my car, and you know. Durant's had his handle initially of being Arm Jabarov, so we're gonna get him to talk about it nice. in the video. But yeah, it's just kind of one of those early stories that kind of everyone kind of knew. So like, if you knew, you knew, and be like, oh yeah, Jabarov's car, you'd have a bit of a laugh about it. Mm-hmm. I wish Yerky Twenty One was around when yes, this happened. Absolutely, <laughs> he could have found out. Yep, yep. <laughs> he could have yeah, found he out. Would the, he would have on the scene right away. Like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is his car. I can see it inside. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that one goes up against uh, what I think is the dirtiest hit. On this whole bracket, yeah. it's Mitchell leveling caves. Yeah. Now Willie Mitchell has said he would talk about it. I hope he does. Uh, and again, <laughs> I always have the caveat of like I'm not celebrating CTE, but in terms of big hits, <laughs> how many times do you yeah. say that? I, just, yeah, I don't want people to think I'm like Don Cherry, like yeah, I really put him in his place. No. Yeah. But yeah. for the era of what it was, again, as you mentioned, those hits were landed against the Canucks, Daniel Sedin, like that's kind of shitty hits happened. So in terms of ones that well, the Canucks were a part of, yeah, like. Mitchell cuts across the middle of the ice and just absolutely catches Taves, not aware that he's there, knocks him the fuck out. Taves gets the Bambi legs, can't even get to the bench. And again, at the time, we're all like, yeah, because the concussion, you know, we didn't know as much back then, so you celebrated. But mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you are right. Of all the hits that, um, I don't know, Sherla's pretty dirty too. So Sherla and, Ta- and Mitchell Shirley are pretty right up there. Yeah. Yeah. Worse. yeah. 
yeah, yeah the elbow, true. the elbow is like, yeah, he, he doesn't even know the elbow is coming. So it, second hit, yeah, I think Seabrook at least probably heard Torres whisper, "I'm coming for you." So I think with Mitchell, <laughs> <laughs> smelt his cologne, something was happening. I think he had more awareness, but it was yeah, definitely one of those hits where um, it felt like that was an escalating war because the Canucks really did. Then they they had that almost all through up to 2011, 2012 of like not being tough enough, not being physical enough, and. A guy like Mitchell was a you know old school rough and tough guy, so I feel like he kind of stepped up and wanted to like match the, the the physicality and violence of Chicago. And unfortunately, it went a little too far there. But it was definitely <laughs> one of the biggest hits uh, on this list. Mm-hmm. The uh, the other part of this uh, that I really loved when I watched the video for it is obviously everybody goes in on Mitchell there and Taves, and you know a lot of fighting is happening. But behind the scenes, the puck ends up coming into Henrik Sedin's hands, and play is still going. <laughs> And he goes yeah. in one like a uh, breakaway against I think Corey Crawford, uh, or no, it would have been probably Howie Golan by by this time, right? I don't remember. Yeah, okay, against Chicago goalie, and he goes for the Forsberg move. He goes for the one hand around, yeah. and he almost beats him. And then I think who went up? Somebody tried to tuck it in right after. I think it was Daniel. Probably Daniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He really goes for it. Like he really thought it was going to work, but uh, that could have been its own minute. <laughs> For yes. probably Henrik's most beautiful goal ever. One time he took a shot, and Daniel's like, "Why'd yeah. you? Why'd you pass?" <laughs> <laughs> All right. So up next is uh, Raycroft wave waves to Toronto at number six. Oh, I don't know if I, I have remember no either. Okay, well, let me explain it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is, here. Yeah, so I'm here. Next one on my own chart. Um, so basically, <laughs> against Toronto, I think they went down. Three goals to Toronto. They were down basically in Salongo gets yanked and then goes Raycroft. And obviously they're in Toronto and Raycroft had played for Toronto and they had infamously traded Tuka Rask and kept Raycroft and that did not work out. So fans obviously are there to, you know, Raz Raycroft, you know, getting his case a bit. But then the Canucks end up winning that game uh, and yeah. quite handily. And so as the game's ending, Raycroft's in his net because like there's still some fans that have been cheering and jeering him earlier. He go he just circles on his net and starts waving to them. Just waves to the Toronto <laughs> fans, starts waving to everyone around. Like that just doesn't happen off the NHL. So Raycroft kind of reveling in the victory and kind of like waving to everyone who was making fun of him. Uh, and then waving to some kind of fan. Yeah, it was great, right? What a great way to like get your revenge <laughs> against your former team. Yeah, particularly because like you know that he's probably get he's specifically getting razzed by players who remember. You know, I, I always I do always hate that when fans or the media or whoever it is, like they punish a player for a GM stupid decision. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not Andrew Raycroft's fault. He's not as good as Stuka Rask. Like that's uh, whoever made that trades fault that, that, that worked out the way it did, you know, mm-hmm. can't even remember who that was. John Ferguson jr. Or somebody probably. Oh, yeah. JF, it's JR. either JFJ or Nona. I never know which one made the mistake. So it's one yeah. of those two. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up at number 11, nude Kessler. I think we can all, we can all remember this. <laughs> yeah. That's etched in the memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the old body uh, uh ESPN body issue yeah the body issue that's right um yeah, yeah and that, again this is a lot of 2011 but that's because they're they're all over the map and all over the place and very popular and kessler obviously this is before cody hodson had his clothing lineup uh, ryan kessler had his uh, rk17 17 baby no, sorry i forgot about the cody hall yeah there was uh, a cody hodson one he right also had now. a bunch of women <laughs> that were his models that he called co-host hose or something it was a terrible decision <laughs> yeah co's hose yeah. or something right yeah no yeah oh yeah it was exactly as bad let's as not forget, his career let's not forget how like outwardly just blatantly misogynistic everything about hockey was until like basically five years ago oh my god yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, before before the Ball family came along, Cody Hudson's dad was involved in hockey, and uh, they, they thought, yeah. "Let's cash it." But you know, fair fucks too. You can cash in on a, on a fashion line by all means, but yes. it felt a bit early to go for that, and uh, he didn't advertise it in the greatest way. So, yeah. But before that was Kessler, and I think Kessler did decent enough because people liked him. But it, you know, he cashed in the kind of colors, RK seventeen, whatever. But then he does the the body issue, and like it's him posing against a rock nude, and obviously with that team with BX on it, and along with all those players, they had some fun with it, and. I remember that the replace the KB contest was going on and I had drawn a stick man version of nude Kessler, which was popular at the time. It was like a way of getting my name on the map. Like, Oh, it's new Kessler. And he's a stick man. And I, at the Playland, they had a Canucks kind of meet and greet and he was signing things. Oh, and wow. I walked up to him and I said, Oh, can you sign this? And he signed it without looking. And then as he's handing it back to me, he glances <laughs> down and almost looks like he wanted to take it back from me. And then as I'm walking away, he's, he's just glaring at me. Like he just realized he signed. <laughs> I still this day have the signed picture uh, uh, of, of the new uh, <laughs> Ryan Kessler, which I'll post later. Once you guys post so the good. show, I'll post that one up there to show it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a bunch of players to sign the new. The XL loved it. They designed like the new Kessler photo drawing. So, um, yeah, the things I did to try and get myself popular online to get the KB contest. Oh, god, that's good stuff. Man. My that's god, good. I will add to uh, recently on the uh, on the broadcast, BX uh, had the body a framed yep. copy of the body issue in his uh like on his mantle for uh for all the gumshoes who were uh dissecting his his background on the broadcast he had he he's been enjoying just ha- having little easter eggs in the background there was also uh a framed photo of Vern Fiddler doing the BXA face mm-hmm. Um, that he had in there as well so uh, i mean i've been googling basically everything we've been talking about just as we've been doing it and the first result for kessler nude is kevin bx's hockey night in canada backdrop (laughs) there you go i remember really wanting one of those rk17 sweaters when they came out (laughs) i thought they were so cool i wish i i wish i went in on them the logo is cool if you had it now it would be an awesome item to show off my like what what fun swag that would be exactly uh speaking of fun connect swag i think i don't know where the hat is right now but i have a connects 2011 uh president's cup champions hat nice i got i got a 2011 president's trophy t-shirt which i will never give away yeah that rocks. yes sweet all right next is uh my contract sucks oh hell yeah number three well, this is a great example of, you know, if Nazan had made this speech, he would have been roasted for it. And now I think people kind of learned a bit more. And people are, I think social media for all its negatives, it did kind of open people up to being more like, they're just one of us. So you've got Luongo and Luongo's entire reign in Vancouver is so up and down. It's so crazy how it comes in. He's kind of like perceived as this guy. Because when he first came here from Florida, there was all talk like, is he going to sign here? He's like, I got to think about things. So it didn't feel like he was like ready to join the Canucks. He had a, a panther tail in the back of his mask to show his love for Florida. So it really felt like, like, does he even want to be here? And then so yeah. he signs the contract, comes in, and he was a standoffish to the media, and like they make him captain. Like all this stuff was on his plate, and he didn't respond. I don't want to say he was wrong well, but he didn't respond in a Canadian market well. Like people, like when the media went after him, and it kind of yeah. drove him, like, you know, gunned him down. Like they would say, like, why are you throwing your teammates under the bus long ago? And he wasn't, he was just being honest with his answers. So it's like, yeah. So that, and then like he gets kicked out of the nets, and then he comes back in, and then like it's like a divorce, and then we embrace him again, and then the winter classic happens. Like his entire career here is like such a dramatic storyline that is just, it's, I, yeah, I wish we could do an entire no soap operas episode on it. Like, yeah, like it's it's yeah. insane. Um, to what, what I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. What was the bracket again? I got lost up in Luongo's insanity. <laughs> <laughs> My contract. Sucks. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's the the free agency. Uh, not free. Agency, it's the deadline, and everyone thinks he's going to be going. Everyone's watching like a hawk. He leaves the ice for a second. Oh, Luongo's traded. No, it was just a bathroom break. He's coming off and off. We're waiting to see if he gets traded. 
doesn't get traded. And that's when afterwards he gives the infamous speech. We're like, why couldn't they trade him? Well, because my contract sucks. And it was a very startling uh, open fact about this is not often a player goes after their own contract and their own value. And he was very upfront about that. And was again, one of the reasons why people started to love him because instead of being this like, you know, leader that failed the team he's this underdog that's no longer even the top goalie and can't even trade him and he's, but he's very aware of his weaknesses yeah. so kind of you uh-huh. know it humanized him to people and people could have empathy and sympathy with him so it was kind of one of those big moments where all of a sudden like you know he didn't get straight to the deadline and then the whole offseason we assume he's gone i remember tweeting with him like hey man like damning i'm sorry it was a fun run it's like yeah too bad i won't see a training camp but i'm out of here buds and like he always says buds to everyone like, i'm out of here buds and then we have the infamous all the like everyone remembers we have a trade to announce. You're going to want to hear this. And then it's Corey oh, yeah. Schneider that gets dealt. All of a sudden, Luan goes like, what the? We have the stories of the owner going down to the house to tell him, hey, man, so about that trade. Like, it's just Holy shit. Yeah. so much to this, right? So, wow. yeah, it's it's definitely uh, one of those stories that, as you see right there, leads to so many different paths. I remember running away from <clears throat> running outside of my, like, poli-sci second-year class to jump into the bathroom in the stall in very Luongo fashion so that I could like pull out my laptop and watch the press conference on my headphones. That's great. <laughs> Just burning my memory. All right. Uh, that one goes up against Shotgun Jake, which, you know, thinks probably going to win this. Yeah, fair enough. I'm not sure how much we need to explain about Shotgun Jake. No, that that Ooh. I feel like ha- it has more than no uh, no shade to anyone or anything, but that more than anything else has been sort of beaten to death on socials. So yeah, who um, started it is probably my one question. Yeah, that's, that's actually a good question. Who started? Is that like a Halford and Bruff thing? It's Halford and Bruff. Yeah, we've got yeah. Bruff on board to do a video on it, and nice. so yeah, he'll lean into it. But it's kind of their baby, so yeah, it's uh, again awesome. don't need to explain too much about, it, but it is definitely one of those things where. 10 years from now, if you see Shock and Jake, you'll remember exactly what it was about. So definitely yeah, be on the list. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Number seven versus number 10. It's uh, Harry Jerkin delivering the playoffs versus the Swedish Twins commercial. <laughs> okay. Two moments that are burned into <laughs> I missed the first one. <laughs> I, I, I think I've told this story before, but the Harold Jerkin thing is really one of the first, one of my first like big Canucks memories because I remember... I wasn't old enough to stay up to watch the end of this game. So I had to find out when I woke up in the morning because my dad like wrote me a note with the scores. And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and there were, there were three games that had to go the Canucks way too. Yep. Um, because it was, they had to beat LA and then uh, there was a San Jose sharks, Arizona coyote, or back then Phoenix coyotes game that had to go a certain way. And then another game had to go a certain way. So it wasn't just that Drew can, scoring that goal like it was also these two other games had to go a particular way for the Canucks to be the team to make it in and that it, for probably the only time in Canucks history three things went right um all at once and they uh they made it in so yeah that's a that's an iconic moment that is kind of I think maybe a a, a bit lost to time for a lot of people because it you know it wasn't necessarily formative for them but uh I uh, I'm a big big fan of i'm glad you put this one on here because it's it's a good little uh cult hit yeah i'm trying to track down drukin as well uh for nice. this could be really good i think for him like that's probably his biggest career goal and he was a guy that had so much skill and i thought was going to be uh, a bigger player than he ended up being but he did have a ton of goal scoring skill and again in that game for people who don't remember what there the goalie on the other end was felix potvin who had previously been a, a connects goal that's tender, right right mm-hmm. so all of a sudden and once connects traded potvin away he started playing better for la and he brings la to the playoffs and all of a sudden it's like it felt very canuckian that the goalie you trade away now is gonna be the guy that like denies you the playoffs so 
uh, you know, in overtime, you have Bertuzzi sending the fucking down low to Drew and he does his little deke and puts it in. Like that was also one of the biggest reactions I've seen from fans and people losing their shit. And it sends him back to the playoffs. And it was kind of one of those. Yeah, it was, it was the very first start of kind of the West Coast Express's like return and the Canucks return Absolutely. to the playoffs. I just wanted to bring up with the pod fan thing around that time when I'd learned about the when I hear about the memes of uh, pot van sucks. I always thought they're talking about this pot van. There was a different pot van, right? There's a dentist pot van. Okay. He's much older. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, maybe, I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe I missed that. Maybe it was oh, right, because he played in Toronto at some point, right? Felix was yeah. huge. Yeah, 94, he was their goalie. That's yeah. who oh. the Canucks. Yeah, that's oh, a Greg okay. Adams. Greg Adams uh, right, beat. Right, right, right. <laughs> my bad. Okay. Uh, that one goes up against uh, one of my favorite moments, uh, Swedish Twins commercial. Yeah. Yes. I, I want one I time NHL's this one. That's all Jackson's. was actually funny. <laughs> yeah, well... I mean, yeah. So the obvious place to go here is that the NHL tries stuff like this a lot. And most of the time it's not that funny, but whoever scripted this, it's brilliant because it's a, it's a good, like it's a good fake out because it's based on a, a, a kind of a, a very like broy kind of trope or whatever. Or, oh, Swedish twins or whatever. And then, you know, they're having the, the bachelor party or whatever. And then it's just Henrik and Daniel in full gear before they really like have grown into their bodies too. Cause this is, if I remember correctly, this is Oh five Oh six. Yeah. Right? They got the rosy cheeks. <laughs> they still got the rosy cheeks. They still got the baby fat just uh and they just come in in their full like orca uh gear and just do like the worst dance of all time and uh yeah it's uh to this day like probably my favorite uh nh piece of like nhl uh promotional material i would think i yeah. forget that they did this all the time yeah i know it's so cool There's... it's so cool that they said yes to yeah this. and just because of the fact that they're the sedines like they just yes. Yes. so deadpan yes. and it works because they don't realize that it's funny <laughs> or because it seems like they don't realize that it's funny. Yeah. Like if, if, if Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan did it, it'd be a different vibe. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, who I'll knows what one. those guys do together? You know, <laughs> yeah, who knows? they probably share a bunk bed. I mean, right? Like who knows? Awesome. All right. We have our last two long episode, but we're going to close off with the green men versus Windetard. Ah, yes, of course. Yeah, a little, little bros in there. Just the infamous saying of how all they need to do in the third period is win deterred. Uh, I just want a little throw out to Alex. Don't need to explain too much about it. It was kind of the rallying cry. Anytime the Canucks were down or even heading in the third period, just win that third period. And that was kind of a saying. And, sorry, Green what was men are really Green underrated. Men, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that, that, that to me feels like, like I think about for whatever, for whatever God forsaken reason, we have a lot of out of market fans that I feel like listen to our show specifically to like, just understand what the deal with Vancouver is and like Canucks fans or whatever. And I feel like to any of our out of market listeners, the, the concept of the green men it, Something that I never even think about that. I'm just like, oh, yeah, the green man. I remember the green man. They were cool. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel like trying to explain that to somebody outside of Vancouver, they would be like, I'm sorry, what? That's the thing about the Canucks is that, you know, obviously gritty kind of changed the game in that sense. But and other other mascots have been better. But Finn, I'm sorry, but Finn is such a by the book, boring corporate mascot. Doesn't do anything like no one gives a shit about Finn unless you're a kid. And that's fine. Like, sure, you show up to your party. Awesome. Great. But for like actual in crowd (laughs) antics, like no one cares and so some of the best you know 
getting the crowd into it have always been fan driven moments, whether it was the guy in the goalie gear doing the dance in the crowd, uh, the yes. clapper doing like, you know, absolutely doing his song, ripping off his pants. He's like, got like city names on like Vernon, Kelowna, like that's shit. And then the green man come along and they, you know, they're hand in hand of 2011, just coming in there and taunting other fans and getting by the penalty box and just doing things that like people look forward to seeing what their antics would be. And not one single person has ever gone to a game going, I wonder what Finn's going to do today. Like no one cares, <laughs> but the green men people cared about, they want to see what they're up to. So in terms of just kind of like they showcase not only what the fans can kind of do to the, the narrative in the city and how much fun they can bring to it, but also just to me also shows uh, the shortcomings that the Canucks don't have a lot of uh, stuff to offer in terms of in-game entertainment on their end either. Like it's always a lot, the fans for all the negatives can also bring a hell of a lot of good to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you going to track those guys down? I got one. I got Adam Forsyth. He's going to talk about uh, his Beauty. green men stuff. So, yep. Beauty. Good for them. Do they, they don't have season tickets anymore, right? Oh, no, it was like one of their uncles. Yeah, it was ever theirs. They just borrowed them. Yeah. Um, which, right. you know, what what a nice uncle to give them, like 2011 tickets. Sure, boys, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I wasn't with my entire life for this move, but sure, go ahead. You got some green suits. Have at it. <laughs> one, of the, one of the greatest instances of uncle magic <laughs> of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's wow. Uh, yeah. We we are we are done. We are I am done. so glad we did not do this all in one episode. <laughs> Me too. Jesus um, Christ. <laughs> I think it's only fair though for us to what call the final four. Oh, right? Yeah. Does that does that sound fair? Whoa, yeah. Why don't why uh, doesn't one each of us pick one from the region? I I'm not looking at the thing right now, but I will say that as I mentioned in a previous episode, my pick from what what are the first two divisions? Smeal and Nasland. So from I believe the Nasland division is the Tortorella line brawl. Yeah. So does someone want to pick from the Smeal division? Okay. If I I want to say the Stanchion or BX the Punching Fedorov. I want to say BX the Punching Fedorov. Okay. I, I, I want to jump in as a quick dark horse. I'm, I'm going all my power to bar down from Cody Hudson. So get ready, boys. I'm bringing the heat. <laughs> Fair yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Oh, you're hoping everybody's just going to see the first one of this whole thing and it's going to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Vote yeah. number one. Yeah. Smart. Wow. Yeah. Smart. <laughs> if I'm going to pick one from the Linden division, I think I'm going to have to pick Gino versus St. Louis. Yep. Just because it's an old one, but like it rings true forever. Like it's just such a. All the dads so cool. will be evangelizing for that one. Yeah. And then what does that leave us with? Sedine division. Uh, and it's hard. Again, I, I wish I had ah. ranked it number two, but Luongo's poo is going to take that one. Yeah. 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 Fair. Yeah. 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 I think wow. that's, that's well, there we go. Fair. And I think between all those four, I know you. Okay. So Wyatt, I know you think it's going to be Cody. I, I think I want to be Gino. I want to be Gino. Like, that's what I think. I hope hopefully mm. I, I would be so sad if Luongo's fecal matter beats out Gino Ojek for recognition. <laughs> so please be Gino. <laughs> Oh god! I want torts to reign supreme forever. So that's <laughs> okay, fair one enough. That I'll be, I'll be advocating for. But um, I think this one one's gone pretty long, so we can probably uh, just call it here. I think we we got plenty of plenty of good stories from you across the um the doing the bracket anyway. So where can the good people find you, uh, Wyatt? Uh, uh, on Twitter at the Stanchion and uh, the TTP show for the Trust the Process show, where we're still posting all the videos and. If there is no hockey, if it's all shut down, or even there's only a few games left, we will continue to do uh, new videos for this floorboards of glory and you'll keep getting new stuff for us. So again, at the end of the day, uh, if you need to introduce someone to hockey about the Canucks and what it's all about, you'll have 64 nice little videos showing you uh, what it it means to be a Canucks fan. 
I look forward to watching all of them. Uh, in the yes. meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at McDonald. You can follow me at Biastran. You can follow me at Moose Kayak. Don't forget to follow the pod at Roxy Fever and subscribe to the Patreon where you can get uh, basically a full episode once a month on maybe one of the topics you heard about today. Maybe one of the topics you heard about on the last episode or maybe even some other insane thing that happened that didn't make the cut. So um, obviously, uh, as always, you can send your hate mail to at Thomas Strantz on Twitter. Perfect. He wants it. He's, he's a heel. He went after the skate logo to, like yesterday. I don't know what he's doing. I'm like, what is he thinking? Oh, I gotta see. That. I do this appreciate the about. heel turn, but come on. Like it's yeah. like he saw Walker's gone. I was like, I gotta fill the void, and now here comes Grant. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs>